Hello? This is the world in which art was invented. Now, that is not a quote from Orson Welles, but our guest today, Oscar Boyson. Uh, he is the producer of Good Time, Heaven Knows What, and co-producer of Mistress America uh, and Francis Haw. He's been nominated for uh, one film, Independent Spears Award, four Gotham Awards, and been to Cannes two times. Uh, he's also the East Coast Ski Champion of the U.S. <laughs> uh, welcome to the studio today. Oscar Boyson. It's a lot of great skiers are going to take contention with that. <laughs> if we need to settle the facts um, early on, I was not the East Coast freestyle champion. Oh, oh. I, no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're getting into the reality. Quick. I, I feel like when you hang out with uh, with Neistat too much, I, he, he's not a liar, but he's an embellisher, which is good uh, if you're talking about your confidence, mm -hmm. um, because he makes you feel um, he, he makes you feel good. He lifts your confidence. He describes you as somebody who, who maybe is an embellished version of who you are. Uh, but no, I was not the Eastern Conference freestyle champion. There's a version of that. There are many different champions. Well, for any uh, angry skiers out there who would like to take uh, qualms with us, please come on to this radio show and we'll Yeah, we'll, we'll have out. you next week and we can talk about skiing. Yeah, skiing and, and films. But um, hello, Oscar. Hello. hello. How, how, how are you doing today? I'm great. Nice sunny day in uh, Brooklyn, and happy to be here, connecting with new people. Well, I'm, I'm so I am I am a huge fan of your work, and uh, we're really happy you're here. We don't have that much time, so we're just gonna jump right into the questions. Uh, first, it was kind of hard finding your um, like backstory. Like I know you're from Maine originally, um, but Born I would like I would like for you to um, kind of tell us exactly your jump from Maine to the different place you, you were living before coming to New York. Sure. Uh, born and raised in Maine, and I uh, went to the same school district, K through 12, MSAD 51. That's um, southern Maine, but north of Portland. Cumberland and North Yarmouth are the two different towns that I grew up in. They're very small towns. Um, I think Cumberland's 5,000 people. North Yarmouth is two. Mm -hmm. thousand people and um but that was great you know it, it to to be to grow up in a place where um it, specifically at that time i think i was the only person in my in my town in my school who was making making videos and 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 when you're when you're making movies and and your friends are all saying like oh that's awesome you know it, it's a lot easier when you're you're the only one doing it. I feel like if mm -hmm. you're a kid right now and you're making, it's like everybody's making videos. Yeah. It's probably sort of passe. I was the only one doing it. So I got a lot of encouragement. Everybody wanted to help. And I, I think in high school, I made every single kind of video from a um, highlight film for the field hockey team to a crime movie starring my uncle and, and, and my best friends as a bunch of thugs. So that was great, great training. Um, and I think I always wanted to to live in New York. I mean, I, I'm, I was growing up with the internet. I think we got a, a cable modem when I was maybe 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So even if I was in this small town, I had access to bigger conversations that were happening, um, which was exciting mm -hmm. to, to sort of see this explosion of information and um and even if I was in a place that felt sort of homogenous, it, it I had access to more, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
I went to college in Chicago, uh, Evanston, Northwestern University, which was um, a, a, a good experience. I, I think I went in there thinking that I'd get more into developing my, my relationship with making films, but I actually really thrived with the community of people who are watching movies. And um, were you? Did you go in for film? Or... Technically, yeah, but okay. it's the kind of school where you could. Um, I mean, I also I studied abroad in Argentina. You know. Oh, you could, so that's where the Argentina. Comes from. That's where that comes in. Yeah, <laughs> and <again>. also <laughs> Bolivia. Was Bolivia, it Bolivia? Is where I went right after Northwestern, right after college. I lived in Chicago for, I guess, my senior year, and and then I, um, I had a friend who who from Maine who um, was starting a few companies in Bolivia, and he. Needed a hand, so I went down there with him. After, I actually worked in the state park in Maine for that summer after Chicago. Doing videos for them or state park? No, I was uh, I was uh, working in a restaurant. Oh, with uh, yeah, that was a great experience too. Actually, I mean, beautiful place. The only way that you can live in inside the premises of Acadia National Park in Maine uh-huh. is if you're working there. So, oh, okay. Well, that's good tip. Yeah, I mean that's cool, right? You can't, yeah. you, as a private citizen, you can't buy a house in there, right? And also, really you can bring cool. your camera in and be like, you know, take a shot of like, was that allowed? Taking yeah, what did they? Sure, yeah, I mean, I, the 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 rules of uh, inside national parks are are, are interesting, um, but I'm sure each one is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to school in D.C., so that national park is oh. a little bit a little bit different. There's a like, national park in D.C.? Well, D.C. is the... It's a national park, the mall. Uh, it's one giant okay. national park. Yeah, I get that. I was a tour guide there. So, like, everyone would always ask me these random questions. And I'd be like, yeah, this is actually a, a national park. Mm. But, yeah, I feel like most people don't know that. Yeah. But um, I actually found a... Uh, from your Northwestern's days, I found an article online okay. that you were on. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but it says... The, the title of the article is from the Daily Northwestern. Students... Police try to define nuisance. And you're quoted as saying, um, from a young sophomore, Oscar Boyson, who lives in the nuisance property on Clark, uh, you say, we have no reason to take what our landlords has said very seriously, Boyson says. Uh, There's a general sort of feeling in the building that if you're going to treat us like college kids uh, and not treat us like family, then we're going to live like college kids. Do you remember saying that? I don't, but uh, Northwestern has a great journalism school mm-hmm. and I, I clicked with a lot of the journalists there and and remain friends with um with people who who study journal journalism there mm-hmm. uh so the, the the school paper which i actually wrote a few film reviews for too oh, cool. was a um was a high point uh i think and when i look back at that oh. experience so i guess that, that lines up with what i'm about <laughs> don't treat us like if you don't treat us like family then you're gonna get what did I say? Say it one more time. Uh, wait. Uh, there's a general sort of feeling in this building that if you're going to treat us like college kids and not treat us like family, then we're going to live like college kids. Hmm. I guess there's a way to say that for the in in life too. Like I think I'd be working. a little more generous now. I, I I live in such a family uh, a family building in in both the literal sense and the more kind of um uh just like friendly sense right now and and i love it so much um i remember that building now i definitely remember the apartment and where i was at in my life 
Um, before we get to uh, your journeys in New York, um, briefly talking about college, because I, I think it's interesting with Casey. I mean, he's he worked, for those who don't know, uh, Oscar Boyson has worked with Casey Neistat in the past. Um, and yeah, let me just give you real short. So I was in Bolivia, really wanted to oh, be God. in New York, yeah. moved to New York, had like a week where I was trying to find a job. Literally the first day I was in New York, responded to a Craigslist ad to Casey and Van Neistat. Uh-huh. Uh, they posted it in Craigslist. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't what I imagined doing, but uh-huh. um, it's paid and it's film related. I'll go check it out. I went in for an interview. I think when you're, at least for me, when I was young, I really thought I was the greatest. And uh, I, so I, I was kind of thinking not that big of a deal. I almost didn't even go in for it. Wow. Because I think I had a. Do they know that? A more, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a more inflated sense of who I was. Mm-hmm. I'd written letters to like all my favorite filmmakers. Uh, I think I imagined working for like David Fincher, not uh, uh, Casey and Van. But uh-huh. I mean, I got the job and um, my my first day in New York City. And that's just created everything. So many of the relationships that I have here, so much of the way that I look at the community and filmmaking here. Um, and it, it didn't take, too long to realize that that experience was so much better than any other employment opportunity I could mm-hmm. have had working at a development company, at a production company, kind of working my way up on set, whatever. It was those guys would would just challenge me at every turn and it was the best. I feel like you really stumbled into this niche of like modern filmmaking of of where media is is changing. I mean, it Sure, Casey doesn't work like in cinema as much as I mean he used to, um, but like the YouTube and a lot of we'll get into this a little bit later. But it's, it's I mean it is really interesting how you stumbled into this place where it was it's not what you thought it was, but it was is where media is going and where so many more people are watching. You stumbled into the future, in a way. I yeah I'm I'm the I think when you're when you're young again you you. Uh... At least for me, I, I had a perspective on my heroes as just sort of being these rugged individuals who are going to make what they wanted to make, and they were geniuses. And as you get older, you, you appreciate the circumstances, the communities, these moments where, where certain things happened, um, especially, I think, in cities where ideas are moving quicker, people mm-hmm. are living in denser quarters, things just accelerate. And so I, I, I do feel, you know, I, I've been very, very lucky. You, YouTube came out the year that I graduated from school, right? The, the uh, I think, 2006. 2000. Yeah. Um, and that changed everything. You know, people who are five years older than me have a very different relationship with uh, what it means to make work for the Internet. People who are five years younger than me have a very different relationship with what it means to make work for the internet. Mm-hmm. Casey and and his brother had been making so many videos, just practicing and practicing and practicing and and getting better and better and better and better at what they did, you know, that boom, YouTube happens. They're just in right in the right spot to um to to be the best at a, a specific thing. And you started working for them when YouTube just hit. So were they do they advertise the job as like a they YouTube? They weren't on YouTube when when 
I started working there. Oh, really? We were actually the the bulk of the work that I did with them. We had independent financing for a TV show. Oh, the which, HBO. Correct. Yeah. And and about and that was pretty unconventional to get like private money and then go sell to HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like as you get older, you realize that. Uh, the experiences that you've had are so much more the exception than the mm-hmm. rule. Like so many times coming to New York, working for these guys, doing that HBO show, I feel like the experience that I had, I just thought that was normal. But as I get further and further away from it, it's like, no, that was pretty exceptional. You wow. know, um, Craigslist, Craigslist uh, really threw you kind of a destiny I and that's why I always empathize with kids who are moving to New York and and they're looking on Craigslist for their first film gig because I was that person, you know, and and I'll always have a a, a soft spot in my um, in me for them. Uh, it's not, I don't think, the best place to work to look for a, a film job, um, but when you're determined and and you don't know where else to start, like it is open, mm-hmm. right? Well, I want to then uh, before we talk about your actual what you what you do on YouTube and some of your more pop culture videos, I want to talk about how your relationship grew through Casey with the Safdie brothers and how you got to meet them and also how you got to uh, work with Noah Baumbach as well. Well, there again, you know, I go in for this interview and I'm kind of looking at this this uh, it's the first time I'd seen a New York artist studio, a New York filmmaking studio, really any kind of small business office in new york you know space is at a premium here real estate is expensive so people get really creative in the same way that you guys have here Mm -hmm. with making the most out of whatever square footage you got i walk in casey and van's office looks it's so small i'm like who are these guys like is this a real is this a real thing they're actually doing it um but right down the hall josh safty and uh so he was working in that building as well He was one of the first people i met in new york and to this day, anybody who was there is still at 368. Um, that that building has a uh, a, a, com- a community energy that I, I haven't encountered since, but I'll always sort of aspire to wherever I'm I'm working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost between Casey and Van, and then and then Josh and Benny and the Red Bucket team, Sammy Lysenko, Brett Jukowitz. Mm-hmm. Alex Kalman, who's who's um, still there. Um, Lena Dunham had a studio there for a bit. Um, I mean, Greta Gerwig. Greta be? didn't have an office there, but but she was in and out and mm-hmm. around for sure. Ariel Shulman and uh, Yaniv Shulman and and Henry Juiced were across the street, um, and huh. and these are all owned by Diane Fink, uh, who's a a, a, a management. Um, Diane Fink is uh, Diane Fink Management, family-owned uh-huh. real estate management company. So, um, and so we, we sometimes call it the Diane Fink School of Filmmaking. That's really interesting, and it's special. I I, uh, I think when in the moment it's kind of like uh, it just feels like you're you're on the same wavelength with all these people who are trying to do their thing, and then suddenly. It's like actually other people are interested in that thing that they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So to see that all happening at once was really, really positive for me. And at its beginnings too, like yeah, you all were starting off 
then kind of rose to where you are today. Right. And like, I don't know, a sort of three year period, I feel like um, the Neistats had their their HBO show. Josh had his um, uh, had uh, the camp premiere of Pleasure Being Raw mm-hmm. with Benny's short film, The Acquaintances of a Lonely John. Mm-hmm. Um Lena's Tiny Furniture came out a few years later. Oh. Gre- Greta was making so much stuff. But again, she she was actually my roommate briefly. Really? Um, Greta and, Gerwig. Yeah. So a lot of... <laughs> have, you, have you seen Francis Ha? Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. So that's that was shot in our apartment at the time. And me, Greta, and... Um, and uh, or parts of it were shot in that mm-hmm. apartment. Parts of lots of movies were shot in that apartment. Um, Famous apartment. And parts of, you know, actually 99% Invisible did a little, uh, you follow that podcast? No. What is it called? 99% Invisible. Oh, no. It's great. And they, they did a little story on Portland Alley, which is right behind my office at uh, 368 Broadway. It's the only public alley in New York. So I was going to say that is like somehow I had this this magnetism for, for places that have been filmed a lot Whoa. Uh, in, in a lot of different movies. Anyway, so I, I, I think of um I think of I think of Greta more in the uh in in that apartment in Chinatown and less in the three sixty eight Broadway building. But all of that stuff was happening at once. The uh Yaniv and Henry and Rell had catfish. That was a, a, a big hit at Sundance that becomes mm-hmm. a TV show. Um Didn't so that was, make the word catfish? Yeah, yeah, but beforehand, I don't know if you knew that. Is like, catfish the thing where your your internet? It's when you're... you get coaxed in by like, uh, <laughs> like someone like if you're oh if yes, you think yes. someone's like not what they actually are online. Right. It's like if I'd shown up today and you guys, were, <laughs> and you're like a... that would have been quite the ploy. Your whole entire career was just. To... What if I'd sent somebody else I... in my proxy? Would you have known? You I have known. I would know. I uh, I. I studied and made sure that I knew what your face looked uh, like. Just unless that. you sent like a really good lookalike, who it's I mean we haven't met you Oscar yet, so voices out there. Yeah, or like the public Oscar is the fake, and you're the real. Like, yeah, you come in and you're like a woman, like a short woman. Mm. It's like this is me. <laughs> yeah. This is who I actually am. I think about this stuff a lot, like uh, <laughs> having a fake, or just the the sort of anonymity that. Like Daft Punk enjoys yeah. or MF Doom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not that I have a problem at all I, I, the, with uh, being recognized, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> I just like people who have sort of decided, like, they, they created a character that's stronger than their private persona, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of the way that they get to have a private life. Did you see the Kate Hepburn thing that I did last year? I saw the trailer for it. Um, I saw that I was was that just in New York when you actually like showed it or is it I couldn't find it online. It's online. Oh. Yeah, the M2M makes it maybe a little harder to find. I've seen a lot. Well, I was well, first off I want to before we get into your actual uh videos yeah, and like viral stuff. Rain me in. This we um it's all I want you have a Alara shirt on right now i do i want to know it's red talking about a weird anonymity the alara pictures seems to be this this kind of underground i don't really know how it began or uh talk about the beginnings of alara pictures will you see it 
you guys watched Heaven Knows What mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Right? Was that the first time? That it was... That's the first time it, it was committed to uh, to celluloid. Mm-hmm. First time it, it went out on physical things that you can buy in stores, I, I would say. Um, and the second time was Good Time, which came out in 2017. Um, that was one of the one of the highlights of of uh, my career. I think seeing the Alara Pictures animated logo at, at Cannes, um, as as uh, One Hundred Tricks Point Never score comes in underneath it. He's and- such a good composer. <clears throat> If you haven't seen Heaven Knows What, I, I highly recommend it. It's it was, on it's on Netflix. Yeah, I will say quickly, uh, I love that scene with the throwing star. Oh. That was... Yeah. We, I, we, we, we gotta check out the record. The record's the coolest. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna get a record. Like, we have a record table here. <laughs> All right, I thought you were gonna... Like, I have the ninja star right here. <laughs> I have the actual ninja star, the prop. I always Just bring in case. it. There's variations between the actual soundtrack that came out, which never really came out. All mm-hmm. we did was put out this very special record um that's shaped in a ninja star super rare <laughs> blood orange ariel yeah. pink neither of those songs are in the movie mm-hmm. uh but it's it's a special it's a special record and um in order to to get to the heart of what the soundtrack is you really just you have to watch the film and look uh-huh. at the credits in the end i wish we could have put out a proper soundtrack mm-hmm. that's something that uh, in terms of i just mentioned one of the high points in my career one of the low points was thinking that we were going to make an incredible soundtrack because that movie has the best soundtrack. I love that movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, we just uh, kind of got duped, honestly. I guess I can say it about Weinstein Company now that they're no, lo- no longer a thing. Oh. But I was sort of made to feel like we were going to have this re- this release, signed over the rights to them to um, to so that they had the option of releasing the soundtrack and then... Clearly, they didn't want to do it, uh, which is so strange. But I don't know. There's a lot going on there. Weinstein subsidiary Radius has the rights to the movie in um, in North America, and I think it's been on Netflix since Weinstein's bankruptcy and all that stuff began. So I think it'll be on Netflix for a long time. But I I, I really want to make sure it doesn't become something that that people can't see. Yeah, yeah. Go check it out. Listeners at home or wherever you are. Yeah, you're outside. Um, so also there is a, um, a, uh, a Twitter post um, where you visited a college um, and you were talking about not surrounding yourself with uh, yes people. Uh-huh. Um, and I was I, this made me wonder, is there anything that you're willing to admit on on air uh, that you said no to the Safdie brothers about? Uh, during like the original maybe pre-production or during production, like there was there was anything that they did that was just too big that you had to like rail them in, like were they like mm. we need a missile launch? I think, <laughs> I mean, going back to like, I I've always made my own films, videos, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've never I've never written and directed a, a feature, but I do think I. Uh, Part, part of what made me good with, with Casey and Van, why I was able, I think, to help them and why they kept me around was was having an empathy for the filmmaker because I'm a filmmaker too. Mm-hmm. So wanting wanting to make it happen, wanting to get shit done, <clears throat> not wanting to say no, 
like, oh, you want to do this? Yeah, we're going to do it. I'm not going to tell you that we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand your vision and it's necessary, so let's do it. I think that served me well. I, after Casey and Van, I, I worked in almost every single department um, on all kinds of different projects. You know, I'm, I feel really lucky to get to exercise different muscles, whether it's making a video for Instagram or making a movie for a movie theater. Mm-hmm. There's a zillion different jobs on each of those models and everything in between, right? And I feel lucky to have done a lot of them. But I think I moved up quickest in production because, I don't know, in, in the indie world, it's it, it, it's not as glamorous, right? It's, um, it's sometimes it can seem sort of not that creative, more, more uh, functional. Mm-hmm. But I, I had that empathy for the filmmaker and, um, and was able to get their trust quickly. So a few times, the Safdies and, and Alara, that's, uh, that's me, Josh, mm-hmm. Benny, Sebastian, Bear McClard, and Ronnie Bronstein. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the team that... Ronnie's the one, he helps with writing, right? Ronnie, I mean, we, I think, it, yes, to a uh, short answer, but everybody compliments each other well, and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of support. Uh, it's just a, a, a strong community where in order for, um, it's a filtration process, mm-hmm. you know, and if something's bad, it's going to get called out. Whereas if you're just on your own writing in a room, it's it's harder to filter that stuff yourself, or you just surround yourself by people who are being, um, I don't know, it might not be their job to tell you when it sucks, mm-hmm. right? So you would say Alora is a collection of filmmakers? Alara is, um, I mean, I, I'd like to think of it almost as like a team, you know? Mm. Like a family? A, <laughs> sure. Like a, 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 I, I think I'm the one non-New Yorker in the group, so New York does represent sort of a, a community that I had to, um find and go out and seek right mm-hmm. whereas sometimes with with if you're from New York maybe you feel like you already had it uh and no man I was thinking about it like maybe um I'd like Alara to be something where where you just want to go see it because it's Alara. You want mm-hmm. to check it out. You want to read it because it's Alara. We put out Ronnie uh, put out this um, Crumb book. Have you? Which somebody else? So that's the first uh, example of Alara Press. You know, um, I I wanted to be a uh, almost like we're a sports team. You know, and you want to root for us and you want to check out what we're doing and the work is more like a um yeah I, I you know how in the old days people would kind of be um in the like the 1930s i think people would mm-hmm. go and i'm a paramount guy or I'm yeah. a warner brothers girl yeah. you know i really mm-hmm. like the actors that are uh under contract mm-hmm. at, um at this studio or that studio as we've kind of gotten away from that and and maybe even if the movie theater used to be one kind of community, we're sort of getting away from that mm-hmm. too, right? Like, I mean, I'd like to hear what you guys think about people your age, how often you go to the movies. Well, I think we're probably an exception because uh, we, 
I try to go to the movies as much as possible. Um, but definitely, I mean, a lot of people, like, I feel like most people, I mean, this is a good segue into the next thing. I feel like a lot of people might have been more introduced to Alara based on uh, this this video that you made or that Alora made, the Kavanaugh thing. Uh, which I feel like a lot of a lot of these kind of memeable like social media things is a lot how people you know in their twenties get to know these companies, mm. and I I don't think a lot of people know like I bring that up to to people that did you know like Alora Pictures and this isn't I think some people were pointing to Oscar or um the Safdie brothers the Safdie brothers made this uh uh Kavanaugh Pulp Fiction mashup mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, you you think everybody knows everything about you, and then you're like, uh, yeah. So we we all share an office, uh-huh. right? Um, that's a relatively new development, but uh, so we all when you when you see each other every day, you, you forget that other people might not <laughs> know that you're all um sort of pollinating each other's you. ideas and mm-hmm. exchanging, and and um, that's the best part about New York, right? Is that you can walk outside on the street and you're, you're rubbing shoulders with so many people. Ideas just move faster. I mm-hmm. think in, 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 in lots of cities. Um, so yeah, the, uh, I mean, for me, for me, the, uh, the Instagram is it's- kind of a, it's a messy thing where a lot of different people have access to it. They have uh-huh. the login and people can just post. And sometimes there's lots of stuff and sometimes there's not. For me, I have a giant library of films, which um, Nate DeYoung and Aaron DeWitt and I started building in 2017 while we were making this this uh, found footage documentary. Uh, and so when when there are young people around the office, I try to, uh, give them like a little challenge. Hey, make something for the for the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Try taking this thing and and um, intercutting it with that thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just like it's a way to engage with them. Hey, if you know how to edit, like let's work on this thing together. I get a kind of uh, it's almost like having a lab, mm-hmm. you know, where we can try things. We can take our time with them and. And for somebody who doesn't know the two movies that I'm proposing that we put together, like they're forced to watch the movie in a different way. Mm -hmm. The way that an editor watches footage Mm -hmm. instead of the way that an audience member watches a film, right? You start thinking like the filmmaker, you start thinking about the decisions that they're making. So I love uh, trying to make something out of two or three or four or five pieces of culture or movies that have kind of been discarded by um by the entertainment industry it's like that movie's had its run mm-hmm. okay let's bring it back see if we can like inject something new into it and make it relevant again you know mm-hmm. um and i think the moral there too is hey if people people get hung up oh if i had some money i'd make a movie right like if i could um have a great story but i i I don't have the actors i don't have the camera whatever with with the film library it's just like here you have a computer you have all this footage just like if you can turn it into something Mm -hmm. that people want to watch i think you'll always have a job because you just made 
something out of nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the way that all, I think, um, or many um, artists have, have, have distinguished themselves over the years. They're, they're looking to a place where everybody else has kind of said, that's done. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, actually, there's some stuff in here that, like, if we rejigger it, we can make it new again, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the Kavanaugh thing was, was um, Aaron DeWitt, who, who I work with all the time, um, we were, she was editing this video that like a little bit, um, uh, unfulfilling. And I'd been watching the Kavanaugh hearings all day and I was mm-hmm. feeling kind of like, shit, I didn't get any work done today. Um, and I was like, do you want to just, do you want to, you know, we could probably make something that would, mm. would set people, uh, that would capture what people are feeling right now if you yeah. want to. And it fit that the guy's name was Brett. In well, that was, that was when I knew we had to stay up till like five o'clock in the morning and get it <laughs> it's like, perfect this is magic yes i mean it's... i could tell you all the different movies that we were playing with before we landed on pulp fiction it wasn't like Ooh, oh it wasn't the, just like what were the other ones yeah give us a little behind the scenes i mean first i was trying in sort of the beer direction oh uh, you know oh yeah like movies where beer is is reference like um blue velvet you know oh, oh. Pabst blue ribbon exactly <laughs> uh and we were we were in my head, it was Brent, and Aaron had this clip from um, from uh, what's the one with Al Pacino, where he's like, "Whoa!" No, he's woman? like a dr- yeah, yeah. He's the he's talking to all the private school boys, right? Private school. Oh, you're talking um, Dead Poets Society. No, that's not. Al that's Pacino. not Pacino. Oh, Al Pacino, son of a woman. Of a he's woman. blind. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's talking to all the private school. Boys, right at the end. I only know the scene with the the hoo ha. He like screams <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Al Pacino fuck screams. you, Trent. That doesn't sound like, like Al Pacino. <laughs> I was like, he if, swears. Shit, maybe if we had Pacino saying Brent somewhere, then it would, uh, then it would like, uh, then we could use that scene and intercut it because that that like boy school dorm whatever that location is kind of feels like a courthouse. Like it would have been a good location match. Um, and then I think Aaron was like, it's not Brent, it's Brett. And I was like, Oh yeah. And that's when we started. Um, that's, that's when I, I think, I don't know if I was looking for Brett's in cinema or something, but. Well, it's so fascinating. I think you're right. I mean, I can't think of any other production company for lack of a better word or team production team uh that is that's focusing on not just film mm. um i feel like alora is one of those the, probably one of the biggest uh production team or however you want to call it that that it's focused on a multi-platform media instead of just producing film and a lot of people and i feel like that's how you bring in different types of people you some people who are just watching youtubes which is a lot of people um might see some of your some of your, as we'll get into the future of cities video, or or some of your more shorter form pulp culture videos, some people who are more cinephiles will see Good Time, which is how I got into know more about Alora films, and then see kind of what you're going out. So I feel like it, it's a fairly modern take on what a production company is. Yeah, and and keep an eye on us because I, I I think we're we will continue to uh, 
to pursue that and try to expand um, instead of getting pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. I, I think, again, if I look back on, on two sort of proud moments for me, one, or like clarity moments, one, when, um, for those of you who, who may have seen Casey Neistat's video, where after a giant snowstorm, he and I are skiing and snowboarding through the streets of New York City. Mm -hmm. um, Classic. Neistat knew perfect timing, really fun. Uh, coming back to my skiing roots, he knew I was the guy, uh, and we could, and he 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 just timed it perfectly. Everything about it so iconic. But that was during the Sundance Film Festival. I wasn't at Sundance, mm -hmm. but I had this uh, kind of satisfaction of people from the movie theater industry uh who are my friends being like i just saw you on youtube <laughs> this idea that people in park city who are all there to um watch you know this year's slate of of independent films that are important um were like on their phones watching me and casey <laughs> on youtube gave me like this this satisfaction and even uh with with kavanaugh too we were we were in the middle of shooting uncut gems and uh and Josh was like, text, he's like, everybody, everybody on set is talking about the, this, uh, this, this viral video. Like their moms are sending them the Kavanaugh video. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, I, I kind of look at it from the perspective of, of the people who I hope want to work with us. Mm -hmm. um, and that like, you need to be aware of the fact that, um, in terms of your audience, in terms of who you're communicating with, it might. We're living in a time where something that we work on for five hours uh, overnight might get more eyeballs um, than than a movie. Yeah, and uh, I feel like in most cases that's that's true. I, I feel like I mean, Casey, Casey talks a lot about how um, like his videos are getting. He's getting them done quicker. And so many more people are seeing it. And also you can see who's seeing it is another really cool thing about the like analytics of YouTube as well. Something you won't have as good of a, a like a pinpoint if you're with movies. As long as it's less regulated, mm -hmm. it's going to move quicker, Lots right? <laughs> is this wood? I don't think so. Um, actually, just real quick, just backtracking because um, so when YouTube first came out, it was mostly, in my opinion, a lot of cat videos mm -hmm. and uh, people looking at animals. Uh, what did uh, Casey pitch to you when you came by? Like, we are going to make videos, a lot of videos, and we're going to put them out, and they're going to be a bunch of stuff. Like, what did he? How did? Mm -hmm. What did he pitch? Again, the like my time working every day at at Casey and Van's studio was more about this HBO show, which. Um, is terrific and is such a cool representation. I mean, it's in incredibly autobiographical for them and where they were at in that moment. You watch the show; it's almost like reading um, a great autobiography, where the or a memoir, where somebody's kind of changing their mind and their feelings mm -hmm. and adding new words to their vocabulary as they write down this book that you read. You're you're, you're watching people change in real time. You're watching cameras over the course of that show it went from mini dv and there's like there's like 70 different cameras and compressions built into that show that's part of what held it up i'd say 
for HBO. Mm -hmm. And part of why maybe it did look a little bit dated by the time it finally came out. Mm -hmm. So after I had had stopped working there full time, that's really when Casey got the YouTube channel going mm -hmm. in, a, in a much um, in a way that's closer to where what 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 it is now. Okay. Well, bringing it back to to you, I want to talk about. <laughs> I think um, that was a response to I need immediacy. You uh -huh. know, Casey knew like because um, you take waiting so for HBO. That's not going to work. This thing, it's not that it feels dead. I but compared to. Um, compared to to shooting mm -hmm. and posting the next day, mm -hmm. you can't beat that. And yeah, nobody can compete with him there either. Well, know? I want to uh, talk about one of the projects that I think you talked, you mentioned earlier. Maybe this was the found footage thing you were talking about, but the uh, the future of cities video. Yeah, that you put out. Um, and on the AMA that you did, you said it was your proudest work that you've, or one of your proudest work that you've done. I think. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I would, I stand by that. Um, super rewarding experience. I would consider it the only video that I've actually designed to be released on my YouTube channel, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, and, and that's maybe the difference when, um, early days of YouTube, YouTube was just kind of an archive mm -hmm. for Casey. Like, a, a portfolio some people use it that way i'm just gonna everything i make i'm putting it here so you can all see it all here yeah. right but that evolved and when he really hit his stride from my opinion is is when he started making stuff that was specific for his audience for his platform for his channel right mm -hmm. and i would say that that future of cities is the only thing i really feel like i made specifically for my channel for my audience for youtube mm -hmm. these design questions is uh, are they're they're the biggest questions um, for me these days is you can't just make everything as if it's going to be seen in a movie theater, right? Mm -hmm. The movie theater audience, oftentimes they're driving like 20 or 30 minutes. They're paying money. They're getting there on time. They're shutting their phones off. They're getting their popcorn. They're getting, you know, the, the lights go down. They're in a room full of strangers. 15 minutes of commercials. It's pretty... <laughs> you got to really fuck up for them to walk out of yeah. the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Compare that to YouTube where <laughs> I'm having lunch and I'm talking to my friend who's in my office. I got a G-chat going. I got iMessage. Like, this thing just pops up. Did I want to watch it? You know? Like, as, as designers, I don't know if you wanted to watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to act like you didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and hold your attention as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Um... So I, I really consider the future of cities something that I designed for, uh, for my channel, for a YouTube audience. Um, and, and, and that's, I think, partly why it was so rewarding, because other stuff that's on there, people might like it, but it ultimately wasn't made for my channel. And I feel like that's also, it, it seems to, in a way, be your MO, because that, 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 that the future of cities was all about collaboration. I mean, I, I was seeing the process when it was going on of you trying to reach out to as many people as possible to get them to collaborate with them to talk about their cities. Um, and I think that's, that's really interesting that, that that seems to be what you're going for, is making film more about a collaboration of people. Yeah. It's, well, <clears throat> I, I, um, 
it's uh i i love collaborating and 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 with with movies you do need a very strong leader at the heart of it mm -hmm. you know but the more energy that leader's comfortable taking on and managing i do think the the better the 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 work can become mm -hmm. um sometimes if too many people are involved in the project and they're all just kind of working from a fear-based um, perspective, oh, I just got to do my work. I really don't want to lose my job. Then the, the, the product of a collective starts to get diluted, you mm -hmm. know, and it starts to be stale. And, and that's what we think of when we think of um, bad pop culture, mm -hmm. right? But if everybody really wants it to be good, then the sky's the limit, you know? Um, I'll, I'll always love people who are just doing their own thing by themselves. Even Casey, you know, he's, guy's incredible that, that he is shooting. He's the story. He's in front of the camera. He's behind the camera. He's editing. He's writing it all. I mean, that's amazing. But if you take on a little bit more of the energy of all these people who want to contribute and participate, mm -hmm. you got to go all the way with it. Mm -hmm. But if you do, I think it can be very rewarding. And Cities was actually a conversation where everyone has a perspective. I don't care if you're an 11-year-old kid in Tokyo who's never picked up a video camera or if you are somebody, you know, my peer in New Zealand, somebody who I'd hire to work on a film who just wants to be involved actually knows how to shoot knows how to edit um or a an, an architect in um detroit like everybody has a say in that conversation which is why that as a subject worked really well mm -hmm. i think to be open to all these people who wanted to participate whenever i see those kind of videos too i always wonder um do you ever get like told to turn off that camera or like what are you doing with that camera in my face like i've i also do video stuff too and i've been i do more medical stuff and medical that cool. the medical field is very very touchy i'm sure like even just having a camera not a camera on but having a camera they're like what are you doing here you can't shoot that so i'm just wondering has is there like has there ever been a time where someone's like what are you doing i'm in the witness protection you know something not like <laughs> that but um yeah of course I mean, I, I, I think I think of Casey and I think of Van and I think of Safties as as people who are who are a little more fearless than than I am with the camera, uh, but but cameras, you know, you can make you can make you sort of fearless. I I think that's the other fun thing about the internet because it's not regulated, right? Mm -hmm. Like on. On Future of Cities, since I'm giving it away for free, nobody is going to say, nobody's going to sue me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's true. That's, that's always a plus. That's <laughs> a big plus. <laughs> right. Whereas if you're making a video for a, for a pharmaceutical company, then there are more people who are trying to sue you than <laughs> anyone who cares about, like, what the video itself is, right? Yep. That's a problem. And I think, going back to Kavanaugh, that's why it moves so quickly People didn't even know who it was. I didn't watermark it. I didn't try. Mm -hmm. There's an instinct uh, to 
um, oh, I want to be an internet star. I need to monetize this content that I'm putting out via the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Like, uh, no, no disrespect for people who are who are going about it that way. But I, I, part of what I love about making videos like the Kavanaugh example is trying to make something then that's better than what people think they should get paid for Mm -hmm. and and putting it out there and not trying to get paid for it at Mm -hmm. all that fucks up the whole economy right Mm -hmm. and you can still do that Mm -hmm. as long as it's unregulated also with that kind of stuff the regulation it that great it makes the gears go so it clogs everything up exactly a video will take forever to get produced because you got to make sure it's yes by this and no by that also real quick i really hope brett kavanaugh did see it and chuckle like hee hee hee. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson definitely saw it. I, yeah. He wrote me a thank you email. Really? <laughs> he was actually my namesake, believe it or not. Oh. I'm Samuel Ferguson. So, But uh, that's that's really cool. Um, did you see the film? Uh, have you seen the film The World Before Your Feet? Have you heard about that? No, what's that? It's, a, it's, it's this guy who kind of, um, he, someone follows him with a camera and he walks every single block of New York, every single street. Okay. And it's about, it was kind of going off what you were saying about people yelling at you. Like, there's a few scenes where people were like, why are you filming my property? And he's like, no, I'm doing this video. Mm. But it's really cool because it's about, like, New York history, New York people getting to see the people. It's playing at the quad, I think, still. Great. I'd recommend it. I feel like you would. It's kind of up your alley. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I will, I mean, I think when you, when you, when you, you could say this about narrative work, too, but particularly with documentary mm-hmm. people are trusting you with their stories right they're even if they just give you 20 minutes for an interview they're giving you some of their time they're trusting at least from the filmmaker's perspective i hope most filmmakers feel this way like the least that you can do is make them proud uh or at least not regretful mm-hmm. for having given you some of their time that's mm-hmm. personal stuff that's mm-hmm. that's they're not charging you for it, right? The least you can do is turn it into something that they're proud to have participated in. Mm-hmm. So in the case of cities, I had all these people who were giving me a day of their time, sending me something. I don't know. I have a really, I have a, a, a hard, um, it's hard for me to turn down those gestures, you know? I want to harness that energy. I want to receive you and i want to um synthesize it i want to make it better i want you to have the experience that i had working for nice stats mm-hmm. um where i didn't really know if it was going to be of any consequence but it ended up mattering i want you to have the experience that i had when i worked on francis ha mm-hmm. for like very um little money but then the movie came out in on on the big screen and and people were talking about this thing that was made by what seemed like just a few people you know on a tiny camera Mm -hmm. i think i've been so lucky to um have again in my head they weren't risks but in hindsight it might look like a risk if the risk didn't pay off Mm -hmm. right so each time i kind of did what i thought was the right thing to do or i had time to do go work on somebody's project Mm -hmm. and it paid off that keeps me believing in the dream so when people send me stuff or they want to work on 
what I'm working on. They want to lend their perspective. They want to lend their time and their effort. Um, I want to take it in and try to work with it. It's a big job. Yeah, it really is like, but, um, but the more, the more people are giving you, I think the more pressure I put on myself to make something good. And I think that's pretty universal for people who are making things that are, are trying to, um, receive energy and perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, we have five minutes left. Um, so I want to ask you one. I feel like I've just been rambling. I, I, no, but it's been a beautiful ramble. Yeah, it's I, been. A... I would consider it a. <laughs> I consider it a, a wonderful phrase of uh, words. I didn't give you Oscar voice and narrator voice. You know, I've, I was oh, doing this a lot. This is years. like oh. H M R. What is it called? Uh, where people M-O- like H D M R, where people just like Hello, really talk close into the mic and mic. Oscar voice. In twenty seventeen, I feel like I was doing voiceover almost every day. Um, and it, it's still it's almost crippling when I try to write dialogue because I'm thinking about it <laughs> so much from the perspective of how my voice sounds. Mm-hmm. I just got to kill that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird with because uh, I've made a few videos as like video essays, and it's weird like you hear your voice and it like for me it like takes me out of it immediately because I'm like, oh, that's that's my voice. Like, I, it's such a voice. Yeah. Snuff. Yeah. I also always think like when narrating. I always want to go down like this and be kind of deeper. I don't know. Like, what's the philosophy? Well, that's a whole conversation. Like, what is, how do you <laughs> think about when week. you do n- narration? Like, if I just talked like this, but like, hello, the earth is growing but dying. Yeah. You know, that sounds more serious. But like, the earth, Reflection. she's a dying. <laughs> yeah. All the way. All the way. I, it's uh, it's sometimes as important, if not more important, than what you're actually saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think a- you have... A good voice. Oh, for, a good thanks, time for, voice. for radio and well, also YouTube. Yeah, this um, was a good time. Wait, this was. Um, so last question, something that we always end on. Um, and this is more of just a general, what's a movie that you've seen recently? It could be something you liked. Or a TV not liked, show. Or... TV show, any type of media you've seen recently. And actually, it wasn't liked. It was just like a shout out just for like something you saw recently. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was just rewatching. Cabaret this morning, oh. which uh, like forties? No, that's uh, Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse. Yeah. I think Bob Fosse is one of the greatest editors. Who, who? I mean, greatest directors, but also uh, an incredible editor. Mm. Uh, uh-huh. And he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Cabaret is is along with all that jazz is is tops. That's uh, one of my favorite. That's my favorite of his. All that jazz. So i i was um, I was watching that film. We actually. I said I didn't want to talk about stuff that hasn't come out yet, but uh, Alara does. Uh, we just produced a music video for Blood Orange, with which Dev Hines uh, directed, and we got to work with a, a choreographer, Emma Portner, who's just incredible. She has a, a commission coming up at uh, New York City Ballet, mm. and I, I got I got to kind of access this um, this part of me that's deep in my 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 cinephilia dna of of editing as it relates to movement um dance and, and bob fossey's just the absolute tops there uh so i didn't know well, he, with he that oh. oh he did he edits it i well, did yeah. he edited the i don't know if he was the editor himself but his relationship with with his use of, of close-ups the way that every cut is on the beat what he's doing 
it's really about blocking and editing in the mm-hmm. relationship. And I think that relationship's sort of undervalued by a lot of young filmmakers getting mm-hmm. started. They're afraid of it because it takes a little bit more time. And older filmmakers used to have more time. Now we don't. But well, it's worth it. On that note, we have 30 seconds left. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much. Oscar oh, Boyson. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. And uh, watch this man. Watch Alora Pictures. Godspeed. Ilara. Alara. Sorry. <laughs>